if it was illegal to say stupid things into a microphone. Why must you be so stupid? These guys would be doing life without parole. Hey, everybody, we're back from prison. Why do we keep encouraging this kind of behavior? It's the Breaking the Ice podcast with Josh Dolan. You know, we could, like, go to jail for this. Along with Mike Shue and Isaiah Moskahanna Bonsa Mana Blitz Boskowitz. Whatever the hell his name is. Greg. Hey, it's the Three Guys with Hats podcast. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for wearing your hat, Greg. We appreciate it. Glad we what coordinated. Got, what are you guys hiding? Oh, I, well, I'm I'm hiding as much as you're hiding. See? There you go. <laughs> I'm hiding my forehead. So. Oh, you got a nice mop up there. Yeah, I know. I, that's what pisses me off about him, Greg, is he's got a full head of beautiful hair and he hides it all the time. Well, you know, I just listened to everybody in high school talking about how big my forehead was and that it looks like a drive-in movie theater screen. And this is just more of a sensor. So, yeah, shorten it yeah. up. I think there's a, I don't know what the under over is on when you're allowed to wear a baseball cap backwards, but I think it's 24. Well, he, <laughs> that's when I stopped occurring. Yeah, he's been doing it his whole life, unfortunately. Yeah. That's just he's, been he's grandfathered in. Yeah, he's that's that's it. He's like a, you know, he's like a he's like a cartoon character at this point. This is him. This is how he is right here. Hat <laughs> yeah. backwards, you know, this is how he shows up in, you know, Calvin and Hobbes all the time. You know, yeah, right. that's that's Josh, the character Josh. Hat with a you suit, know? you know. I only take it off in court and that's that's it. So <laughs> he's on brand. <laughs> And I've been wearing it my my daughter's entire life. So now when I take it off, she doesn't know who I am. So right. Oh. <laughs> and his daughter's five five months. Is that it? Just turned eight months. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You yeah, guys so... should talk more. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not, you know, we're not going near each other these days, right? I mean, we're just we're trying to play it safe. We're we're socially distancing and then some. You know. Yeah. I've been I was just in um Florida. And uh, you know, went down to see my mom for Christmas with my kids, and we she took us to a Catholic church on Sunday morning on Easter on uh, Christmas morning, and I mean, 400 people, and we might have been the only people with masks on in the entire church. Yeah, and, they don't and wear the hot spot. This is when Florida was right. the number one state, and then the priest has the balls to go. We'd like to say a prayer now for all the people that died of COVID-19. I'm like, how about you pray <sighs> that people put some masks on? Oh my God. <laughs> they don't do masks down South. They, I was down in Savannah uh, around Christmas. And again, yeah, there was tons of people out in the street and in cafes and, and everything. And nobody's wearing a mask. Nothing at all. Why is it that the people that don't wear masks are the ones that you most want to put a fucking mask on? <laughs> it's like a nude beach, right? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> it's never the supermodels that are hanging out at the nude beach. You have know, you been to a nude beach? No, no, I I've not on purpose. No. He's yeah. been nude at a beach, but that was just Hampton. Yeah. Beach. That, was, <laughs> that was different. There were mushrooms involved. Uh that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was down there and nobody in, in Savannah was like rolling. I mean, there was like it was really jam-packed down there and nobody nobody inside, outside, nobody's wearing a mask one or two people and they were probably from out of state savannah? like savannah my mother lives in savannah oh yeah yeah i hear it's a guy here it's a great town it is it's a great little city 
And uh, I think there's a reason why Sherman didn't burn it at the end of the long march there, the march to the sea, because it's such a charming, such a charming city. Yeah. And it's got a lot of history and a lot of interesting characters. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a great, it's like a little mini New Orleans, almost. Yeah. They, um, um, and then uh, surprisingly, Savannah has like the second biggest St. Patrick's Day that's right. parade in the country, I that's think. That's right. Yeah, I think I think they're behind Chicago. Chicago, and then Holyoke, Massachusetts, is number three. I was Boston not in the top three. I know, right? You that's know, because the, because they're the hard asses. Is that the lesbian St. Patrick's Day march? <laughs> no, that's no, that's in Northampton. Oh, 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 I thought I thought Holyoke was. No, Holyoke is the methamphetamine St. Patrick's Day march. Oh, a little yeah. faster. They they they. The entire parade wraps up in about seven minutes because everybody's running. Yeah, everyone's just running, and then they're go they're rifling through purses and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> lot of, of the fun. exciting you should, you should parades. Yes, <laughs> one of the few exciting ones. <laughs> Dude, that that area we used to go out there. There was there was a woman named Sherry Hirsch that used to book hell gigs in Holyoke and all all around Springfield and Western Mass. And uh, we used to go out there, me, me and uh, Joe Rogan, we were roommates when we started out in Boston. And so we used to jump in the car together and we'd drive out there for like 50 bucks each. We'd drive out there and, and she'd be like, you're headlining now. And it's like, really? I've only been doing it for a year and a half and I've got 15 minutes, I'm headlining? So you just do a lot of crowd work. So I got to know the people really well because I didn't have material. So I was just like, what do you do? Where do you live? <laughs> How long YouTube been fucking for? So you did a lot of the material of East Longmeadow, huh? So this is a big night out for you. Yeah, right. Hey. Was this yeah, at if the? I do, uh, if I do really well. I can work Amherst next week. Was this at the uh, the Hukilau in Chicopee? That sounds very familiar. I know. I know. I worked in Chicopee. I don't remember the name of the place. It was like a Polynesian Chinese place. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had the bit. They for a long. I don't know if they're still even still open, but for a long time, that was the comedy place in in the four one three area code, the Hooky Lao. Now, uh, how many so, Chinese restaurants did you do around here, Greg? You and Rogan yeah. going around for? Well, <laughs> they were all Chinese because the thing about Chinese restaurants is a lot of them had banquet rooms in the back of the restaurant, and so these comedy club promoters came in and they said, "Hey, how how many people are in that room on a Wednesday night?" And they're like nobody you know that we pretty much just we we rent it out on weekends pretty much and so they're like we'll take it on wednesday night you'll get all the liquor and the and the food sales and we get the we get the ticket money and they would get 300 people coming in paying 20 bucks a head so what's so what's that six grand and we would get like 50 dollars each and the promoters <laughs> kept all the money <laughs> But they'd also that you'd get your meals half off, right? You got the yeah. meal half off. You know, a couple of free uh, poo poo platters, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could have sex with one of the aging waitresses. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the Aku. The oh, yeah. You ever do the Aku Aku in Worcester? The Aku Aku in Worcester. I was on stage there one night and uh, a fight broke out. I, I read this, I, I did this bit where I read a. I said, I wrote these new greeting cards and this is my uh, deadbeat Father's Day card. 
And it was just whatever. I forget how the bit even went. But this guy stood up and he goes, uh, hey, I'm a deadbeat dad and I resent that. <laughs> and so the guy goes, sit down, asshole. And so his friends turn around. They all just like, it was like a rugby scrum. There was just like 20 guys fighting. And there was a, a xylophone door, you know, because the room was only half full. And they knocked through it and they ripped it out of the ground and they were rolling around. And I'm, I'm, I'm like Howard Cosell. I'm calling the fight. I'm like, and he hit some of the right. Oh, watch out. He's got a poo-poo bowl in his hand. And, and it, it, it went on for so long that they called the cops. And by the time the cops got there, the fight was still going on. Jesus. And of course, they didn't arrest anybody. Just, guy, hey, Marty, get, get out of here, Marty. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to do the paperwork for you tonight. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Akuku is gone, uh, but those guys are definitely still around. I live in Worcester and I pretty much see them every day. The men you just described. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, they're still there. I took the son when we were looking at colleges. We went up to Worcester to look at Clark. It's a great. Oh, school. yeah. Yeah. And we went out, I took him out drinking. I don't drink, but he does. He had a fake ID. So I, oh, took, nice. him to, I took him to a bunch of bars and, and everyone was there. And then I saw, we got to one and it said comedy night tonight. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be some, some red faced Irish hack postal worker. And, <laughs> and then I look up and it's Frank Santarelli. Oh, no way. And I go, <laughs> I go, it's like the comedy gods just delivered me Frank Santarelli on a Wednesday night in Worcester <laughs> at some hotel. And so we, uh, I, I got a couple tickets and I didn't even tell Frank we were there. I got a couple tickets. I just sat there and I watched him and my son loved him. He was great. It was amazing. Did he sign a uh, Sopranos 8x10 for you? He did. <laughs> he was signing Sopranos 8x10 after the show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I've been rewatching, not rewatching, I should say, I've been watching The Sopranos. I hadn't started, I hadn't seen The Sopranos at all until two months ago when I started watching it. Really? Yeah. I, the same exact reaction every, every time, every person. Really? And then they act like I have leprosy. You know, they're kind of like, ugh. You know, and then they just kind of, they try not to look at me when I'm talking to them or something. You know, it's, it's, like, it's hard to respect somebody that would miss out on a cultural touchstone like that because you are the demographic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I work in the, I work in the media. So you think I'd be trying to keep up on these things. I actually, for a while, I took pride in the fact that I didn't watch the Sopranos and, and same thing with Game of Thrones. I haven't seen one episode of Game of Thrones. What yeah. do you do at night? Huh? What do you read at night? What are you a bookworm? <laughs> hey man, reading. There's nothing wrong with reading. All right, Greg. Maybe yeah. you should you should try reading sometime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Send me over your People magazines. I'll check them out. I, I'm interested in the old issue. I read TV Guide. I don't watch TV. Yeah. I just read about it. Got a stack right. of them on your nightstand. Yeah, yeah I just keep right. it to myself when I I. <laughs> I've never seen The Sopranos either, but like it's the same when like people are like, you know that episode of Breaking Bad, and I'm like, mm, wait, you haven't seen Breaking Bad or Sopranos either? No, is, I keep seen, it to myself. Let's keep this on <laughs> record. I've seen Breaking Bad. I've I've seen all of Breaking Bad. Josh hasn't. I but then, and I'm then people get mad. It makes me not want to watch it even more. <laughs> like you know what? Yeah, now I'm like, really not going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, it, 
I don't understand what's more fulfilling and joyous as a straight white man than watching <laughs> these male protagonists who break the law, who don't do what they're told, and get tons of pussy and coke and money. And, and you don't want to watch that? You don't want to get engrossed in like the best writing TV has ever offered? I'm just I'm I'm too busy watching Joe Rogan's podcast so I can take what he said and go out in the world and use it as fast. So I can... right. right. You taking a lot of vitamins? <laughs> yes, I'm taking on it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it is <laughs> I can tell your brain is very sharp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've ne- I've I've never seen any of their shows. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we don't we we do a podcast, we don't talk to each other, Greg, and then we don't watch anything else anyone's else's. I watch like 10-year-old Tom on HBO and Golden Girls reruns. So, uh that that's about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Actually, when I missed, you know, everybody was like the best written sitcom in history. Like people go on about the writing on that show and I never watched it. I know you guys didn't either. Which one? Golden Girls. Oh, Golden Girls. Yeah, I'm. I've only watched it because I was in the same room as my mother. That's yeah. the only time I've actually seen, <laughs> and those are and those are reruns. Was it good? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess it was pretty funny. Sure. Uh-huh. Now that, that that's the show with Betty White on it, right? Yes, the Lake Lakers. Yeah. Betty oh, White. Okay. Yeah, the only yeah. thing well, I watched with magazine had uh, Betty White turns 100, oh. and it's. Still on the newsstands. I know, right? They didn't recall it. They didn't redo it. They fucking left it out there. Well, that's like one of the, that's like a baseball card with a misspelling on it or something now. That's like a collector's item. I know. know? I was going to buy one for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Betty White's secrets to making it to a (laughs) hundred. Betty White turns a hundred. Can you believe it? No, no, No. I actually can't. No, that's wrong. I mean, before she died, I was like, this is like saying shut out before the end of the game. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Turning 100 is a shut out. No, turning 100 is a perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. I think turning 90 is a shut out. Yeah. My my grandmother turned 100 last May. No shit. Yeah. um, And uh, she's... um, you know, she, she's having a little, you know, it's, it's starting to really get to her at this point. I mean, a hundred years, Yeah. you know, you, you, you say it that way. If you say a hundred, it's like, well, okay, wow, that's crazy. But you say a hundred years when you yeah. say those two things together, it's kind of like, oh my God, you right. know, and, and, uh, you know, she lived through the depression and a few wars and, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, and so we, um, we had all these, she loves baseball. She, she lives around Pittsburgh and she loves the Pittsburgh pirates. So we had these t-shirts made up says my grandmother loves balls, you know, with a couple of baseballs <laughs> on it and the Pittsburgh pirates logo and stuff. And she, she still didn't get it, you know, but Hey, whatever. Great. Yeah. Great. Now what's yeah. her secret to a long life? I feel like all those people are always like, Oh, I have a Twinkie and a glass of whiskey every day and her uh, live forever. <laughs> She's actually the opposite. She never, I don't even think she ever drank a drop of alcohol in her life or smoked a cigarette. Um, But, you know, she did work in a factory that made grenades uh, during World War II. Um, So maybe she just learned to be a lot more careful than other people. (laughs) I don't know. That and she's taken a lot of on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. She's a huge Joe Rogan fan, even now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
she's uh she's doing she's she's a mutter now she's doing mutters that's right <laughs> she's got the she's kicking the bag around like rogan you know <laughs> and she has not been vaccinated no fucking shot oh fuck that no invermectin or whatever all the way yeah yeah <laughs> hey uh so uh, can we talk a little bit about bob saget Ugh. Um, I don't know if you've had, uh, if you've got to meet him or work with him or, or knew oh, he him. He was your friend. He was, he was a close really? friend. Yeah. He, he's a guy I got to know when I first moved out to LA and, um, truly, I mean, all you hear is the word kind in yeah. everybody's Twitter post about him, but he truly was like from the time I came out and he didn't know me, you know, I moved out to LA and, um, he just immediately like gave me his number and would just call me randomly. I think he did. He must have done my podcast like eight or nine times. And we would go, you know, we went on the road together a couple of times and, uh, you know, just saw, saw him in the clubs in LA all the time. And he was just always like present. He was just always a guy that showed up and made you feel special. He made you feel like a, like a, like a close friend. And and he was like, a, he was a great star fucker. Like if you hung out with Bob, you were going to hang out with some celebrities also. And I remember I went to, uh, he invited me to his 60th birthday party. So I guess it was five years ago. And me and my wife are walking up the driveway and the, and the, the party was being held at the mansion that was the, where the uh, Manson murders were. Oh my God. And the house is now owned by the guy that produced Full House, who, while he was producing Full House, had two other primetime sitcoms on the air. Three sitcoms at the same time. So this guy, and they all syndicated. So this guy is rolling in dough. So he, so what do you do when you make some money? You buy the uh, Manson murder mansion. Right, you buy a mansion where there, people were murdered, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, so we're walking up the driveway and we hear a Beach Boy song playing and we're like, oh, cool. All right. Maybe people are dancing. They're playing some good music. Walk in the door, look to the left in the living room. It's the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. It's fucking Mike Love. <laughs> and, and then John Stamos is playing drums. And uh, I think Ben Stiller was playing bass or something. Oh, and, my God. It was crazy, and and Bob's over there dancing, and uh, yeah, he was just the, he was just the guy that like, I don't know, he really cared. Like he just he cared. He cared about other people. He cared about his career. Like he certainly had he had enough money. He never needed to do anything but vacation, and I don't know, take up golf or whatever. Sit back, watch The Sopranos and Breaking Bad. He really had that kind of time. And instead, like he was out doing stand up and he was uh, very active on social media. Like if he he would take a, a selfie with you and then it was 15 minutes before he would post it because it had to be taken at the right angle, the right filter, the right cropping. Like he was just totally um, meticulous about everything that he did. And um, I don't know, I'm very sad. I really am. It really it really hit me. It's, it's it was so sudden. And I really, you, the first thought was like, God, I'm never going to hang out with that guy again. You know, there's, there's some people where you go like, oh, I feel bad for his family or whatever. But I just selfishly feel like I, I feel like I've robbed of spending more time with him again. 
That, that you, what you said when you first started talking about them that you see in everybody posting whatever on any social media, the words kind and sweet that, I mean, that's just like that all the posts started out like that. The kindest, he was the nicest guy, yeah. Yeah. you know, he was helpful and everything. It seems like that's like, it seems like that's like an anomaly in show business. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of people, I don't know. It's, he I got to meet him a couple of times when I worked at the at WAAF and yeah. he was, he was just like, you know, when, when you turn the mic on, he was, you know, Bob Saget, the stand-up comedian, but you know, in between, you know, during commercials or whatever, just the nicest guy taking pictures and, and telling yeah. stories. And, and um, it's, it's amazing. It's great. That's just that someone like that was able to achieve a great deal of success. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was one of those guys like, a lot of people start in stand up and then they make it in acting and then they just leave stand up behind like it was the booster rocket that got them off and then it just trails off into the ocean. But he he really was committed to, you know, he had just put out a new special last year or the year before. And he was out, he was about to do 30 dates on the road. Like, you know, he really, it was the thing that he cared the most about. Um, and, and he did it all, you know, he he directed, he wrote a book mm -hmm. that I read that was outstanding. It was a memoir of his life. It was very touching about his sister dying of scleroderma. And he, he lost uh, both his parents. Um, and uh, he just acted, stand up, hosted, you know, did voiceover on that other sitcom. He just, you know, the guy was, he was a powerhouse. And like you said, he, he really didn't have to. I mean, he made so much money right. in Full House and and uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, and right. Um, but he he just loved doing it, and that's what I what I loved. I think that was my filter for his stand up because I was always like Bob Saget. God, he's like Ryan Seacrest, you know. He's just yeah. Mister Vanilla, you know, because yeah. of those two shows. And then when he started, when he was done, he started going out doing stand up. Like this guy's filthy. Yeah, it's like yeah. He was, it was all pent up inside of him, and then when right, he had right. a chance, you just unleash it on the world. And I just love yeah. that. You know, there was just kind of like, oh yeah, well fuck this. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, and he and he was also he would say shit off stage to you that was so so twisted. He was a guy that like I can't believe he didn't get me too for the things that he used to say to women. There's and he was just fucking around, and they were in on the joke, and they always laughed. He's the guy that got away with that shit. You know. You talk about being grandfathered in. He was allowed to say twist right. shit and get away with it. Well, he's he he was starting to get that attain that uh celebrity that like Jeff Goldblum is at now, I think, or maybe even like Christopher Walken. You know, it's like just being Bob Saget was like enough. You know, like just saying, hey, Bob Saget's here. And it was like, everyone just was like, yeah. You know, it's like, it was just like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, he was like. Well, was yeah, like, I think when they do a, when Comedy Central does a roast of you, you're an icon. Right, you know? yeah. So I, mean, I think, a, I think maybe. Big, that's a big, you know, that really is like, you know, as a comedian, when you think about the different levels of success you can get to, being roasted on Comedy Central is about as high up as you can get. That's for comedians getting roasted on Comedy Central. And if you're a musician, you know you've made it when Weird Al does one of your songs. <laughs> right? That's exactly right. That's like Weird Al's doing it. I'm there. I'm done. Right. 
It's all right, gravy from here, right? right? <laughs> so you're you're going to be at uh, Laugh Boston this weekend? Yeah, I'll be right? at Laugh Boston Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, it should be good. I mean, I, I don't know what the turnout's going to be like because I think people are a little wary going out right now. But, you know, that club is – I think they keep it really safe. It's a big room, and uh, people wear masks. And, you know, I don't cause people to expel a lot of air from their lungs when I'm telling my jokes. So it's a very good, low profile environment. Are you going to be performing behind glass or anything like that? Like a salad bar spit shield or, or anything? Yeah, there's going to be a sneeze guard up and oh, I'm going to wear boots and a condom. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> it, though, right? Yeah, that's it. Just boots and a condom. Awesome. I know early, early in the pandemic in Providence, they were experimenting with putting uh, plexiglass shields around the stage for the dancers. And so the guys sitting up on pervert row, you know, wouldn't get anything on them. Really? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. When the, this was like last year when they tried to start opening up the strip clubs again and they yeah. were like that you can only do it if you have protective plexiglass around the stage, around the dancers. Well, and that's tough because the dancers they make their money doing lap dances that, you know, the stage dancing right. is really just like, that's just them showing their wares so that somebody asked them to go in the back room and get dry hump for 20 bucks a song. That's their so commercial. <laughs> What's that? I said, that's their commercial. That's They're their commercial. It's their infomercial. And right. it's like being a comedian and like, I can do stand up, but I can't sell my merch after the show. Well, that's, I make my money on my, my merch. <laughs> Well, I, and, I'll, and I'll also dry hump you for 20 bucks. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're just going to wear boots and a condom, you know, yeah. sure. I'm up right. for that. 20 bucks sounds like a bargain. <laughs> well, I'm, surprised Rhode Island... <laughs> I'm surprised Rhode Island didn't have the strippers do the parking lot shows like the comedians were doing there for a while. Yeah, right. right. Did you do any of those, Greg? Yeah, I did a couple of those. They were, they were fun. I mean, look. We, we just lived through, are continuing to live through an event that will be talked about. You mentioned your grandmother in the Great Depression. Like people will talk about, he was around during COVID. You know, he lived through COVID. And uh, to, do, to do something that involved my craft in a different way during a pandemic was interesting. You know, it didn't, I think people enjoyed it. Like people genuinely enjoyed sitting in their cars and watching comedy and it's like that's the great thing about stand-up is you know there's always an adjustment you know sometimes you're in a theater and everybody's sitting still and they're laughing and they're great and then other times you're at the Worcester Aku Aku and people are drinking booze out of a giant bowl with a straw <laughs> fighting and like sometimes that shows more fun it's just like it's it, I love I love when it's you know when, when there's a little diversity yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead, Josh. No, no, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just going to say, I was thinking that too, that like when, when I'm older, I'm going to be telling my grandkids about like, I lived through COVID, but now I'm starting to think I'm going to, instead of being like, yes, I lived through that. I'm just going to be telling them, I remember when this started, like, it's still going to be going on. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when this was new, we didn't have to wear masks. <laughs> right, right, right. So what, what's, What's the most, like, uh, either during the pandemic or, or beforehand, like, what's the most uh, unorthodox or weirdest place that you've done stand-up? 
Huh. Well, I mean, just to keep it about Boston, me and Rogan got hired to do a show for the, the advertising community in Boston it has an award show every year so they can congratulate each other on their mass millions ad that mm -hmm. they did, the old lady. And, uh, and so I don't know why, but they, they had it at the Boston Aquarium and they hired me and Rogan to be funny. And we're like, all right, where's the stage? When's the show? They're like, no, no, no. People are going to walk around. They're going to have cocktails. They're going to have hors d'oeuvres. And then you guys just walk around and like, just like be funny. And they were giving us like a hundred bucks each, which was good money for us at the time. And we were like, all right, we'll do it. And so, so we were just being obnoxious. And like, I would walk up and start eating food off people's plates. And Rogan was like pretending to hit on women that were with their husbands. And, and then like, eventually he got his hands on the microphone for the uh, aquarium. And he said, uh, will, will the parent of a six-year-old boy in a blue parka jacket please come to security? He's floating, he's floating in the dolphin <laughs> tank. And, oh my uh, God. Oh my God. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so we got kicked out. We got thrown out of the aquarium by security and we never got paid. Never oh, got you paid. didn't get paid? Oh nope. man. Didn't get a hundred bucks. I thought they were going to say, oh no, no, there's no, there's no stage. Uh, here, put these suits on. You're going in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> and we would have done for 200. We would have done yeah, you get the, you get the, like the, the dry erase thing that the divers use and you're writing your yeah. jokes down and throwing them through the glass. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. You guys go right. on right after the penguins. So that's right. <laughs> the dolphin yeah. show. Yeah. It's the I dolphin attack show. A trainer. I attack and kill a trainer. They used to have concerts at the aquarium. My parents said they used to go to like concerts there all the time. And there would just be like people throwing their like beer bottles into the penguin tank. And it was just like, I, I can't oh, imagine God. where there would have been an event. Like, where would the band go? I <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then the other the other weird show I did when I was in New York, I, uh, I got hired to go to the uh, the um, Park Plaza Hotel, which is the nicest hotel in New York. And there was this very upscale wedding that was being held. And um, it was a, an older dude and a much younger wife. And so we get there, I, I get there and uh, the tables were spread out. And the daughter of the bride pulls me aside and she goes, they have kind of a running joke where like we kid that she's really going to just be like his nurse and he's old and she's going to like help him die. Like that's like our running joke. And they, they both laugh about it. So make jokes like that. And so I said, okay. So I go up there and I mean, I know I'm walking into a firing squad. There's like, everybody's old. All the guests are ancient and they're rich. People don't laugh. And so I walk up, and I start making jokes about how she's going to be changing his colostomy bag and, uh, you know, that she's still going to have to have sex with him, even though he can't get an erection and like going. And, and I mean, I'm getting nothing. The only people that are laughing is the daughter of the bride and her siblings because they turns out hate this guy and just oh want to humiliate him at my, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah but she's the one who cut me the check well hey at least you got paid for that one you know right yeah. <laughs>
yeah so, so you you did a lot of gigs with like rogan and the the a lot of the guys you came up with like burr and patrice o'neill and bobby kelly like did those, those like did you ever go on like road trips with like with those yeah, well, guys or? Um, burr burr used to open for me burr started a couple years after me so he used to open for me sometimes and i remember i remember one time we were at a uh we were coming from western massachusetts so we're on the mass pike and we stopped at a rest area to go to like a burger king and uh and we get some food and these these kids inside were like the local tough guys from freaking i wish i could name a town in western mass where it stopped but um uh so so yeah we get outside these kids were harassing us and there was a bunch of them so we just kind of like we, we were just full cucks we just kind of took it and then we got outside and uh, I got in my car and I, I, I had an old Volkswagen and, and the, the kids came out and it was snowing. It was like, there was like three inches of snow on the ground and I just drove directly at them and they all split up and there was one kid that I was chasing with the car and he started serpentining. He started, he started oh, zigzagging. zigzagging. Yeah, yeah. He was serpentining in the Burger King parking lot and my car was sliding out in the snow and the kids were all yelling at us and throwing beer cans. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Now yeah. when now when was this? Like about what year was this? This would have been like ninety-three. Okay. All right. So this is way before everybody had a camera in their pocket. Exactly. Because exactly. now one of those kids would have had you on video and then the cops would have been like on your ass and you would have right. been like, you know, crazy, you know, militia guy tries to run over youth in right. Ludlow, Massachusetts or whatever. And Ludlow. There yeah. you go. Yeah, there you go. Ludlow. Good I'll buy Chicopee. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Cause I was like, there were the guys that were like, uh, there were a couple years older than me, like Dave Cross, Louis CK, um mark Marin, and mm. then there was the guys that were a couple years below me which was like patrice and burr and bobby kelly and dane cook and um and then the guys my age which was like rogan and tom cotter was my class mm. and um it was just so insane and then we had the guys that were the you know the kings the you know gavin and sweeney and kenny rogerson and mike donovan and mike mcdonald and Guys that like to this day, I would tell people they're the best comedians I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, I've seen, I've been in LA and New York for 32 years. I've seen the best. And I put Gavin up there with any of them. It's amazing. Every comedian we've talked to on this podcast or whether it was on the air, on whatever radio station we're working at, always Don Gavin. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always saying Gavin was the best they've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like everybody. Yeah. There's just something about his <clears throat> cool, his delivery, the way he throws things away. It's so confident and it's so grounded. It's unflappable. I mean, I've seen him go up in those hellish gigs. He does not give a shit it, how the audience is reacting to him. He knows a thousand percent how funny he is. And if it's not going well, he knows it ain't him. And so he just, he just, it's like he's reading the paper in the morning. That's, that's how casual he is doing his stand up. 
Yeah. And it's just so rapid fire the entire time he's on stage too. You don't even have time to remember yeah. his jokes. Like I remember the first time I saw right. him, I my head was just down on the table and I was laughing, but I don't remember what the joke was. Yeah. I just remember the punchline was, and then the dog right. walked in. And the, <laughs> right, right. I don't know yeah. why it was funny, but well, yeah, but... he's uh, he's got a new special out. I think um, that um, that just got recorded in Nantucket. And Kevin Flynn is putting it together, and I think they're going to release it this year. Don nice. Gavin? Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's awesome. I, I love that, yeah. like, when you or Burr are on Joe Rogan, that it's just like you guys talk about all those guys the entire time. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's amazing. Well, I love it. We learned a lot. You know, people say, why did so many good comedians come out of Boston? And it's because it was a closed community. You know, there weren't a lot of comedians coming in from the outside. Like they didn't really book comics from LA and New York that much, a little bit, but in the early days, it was just this camp of comics and we learned from each other. And, um, and those guys affected our, our tone in terms of being, being a wise ass, owning it, um, making the crowd understand that, you know, they're lucky to be there. I mean, that was the attitude that those guys always gave off. And it was a it was a good one. A lot of us then went to New York, and that attitude translated really well to New York rooms, where there was a lot of times when you first got there, you were going on at one in the morning in front of four or five people, and and that attitude carried you through those sets. Yeah, and like that that mentality, that Boston mentality too, kind of came out in the Boston comedy scene. I think how the Boston comics didn't want the national guys coming in. Like you didn't want right. to open for Billy Crystal and like they would try and on purpose make you look like an idiot. But oh, yeah, like, yeah. if you were able to like work through it and kind of get the Boston crowd on your side, like I think Dom Maera kind of did pretty well in Boston because he's a Philly guy. It's kind of the same. Oh yeah. Same yeah. Thing Colin, as... Colin Quinn was one of the few guys that came up from New York who did well. You had, to, you had to match that really shitty attitude. Right. That, that mass hole attitude. Right. right. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I got some things to, you know, I, let me tell you how you're doing up there. You know, yeah, <laughs> one of those. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really, I mean, that, that's, it's, it's amazing how the, this part of the country, uh, the Northeast anyway, uh, it's amazing how it stands out as far as comedy goes. You know, and, and like even and like writers too. You know, you think of all the, the people that are like, you know, like Amy Poehler and Seth Myers and all these other people that, that seem to, you know, all come from this area of the country. And I think yeah. it's, all, it's the constant ball busting, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's a, it's a confidence that is disarming to people. Uh, the self-possession that says I'm on this stage for a reason. There's a reason why I got the mic and you guys don't. And uh and you don't you it's not like you have this feeling that you have to earn it. You just do. You know, and uh and 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 you know Boston crowds make you too because you know you you go up in front of these Boston audiences like they don't necessarily give that up. You've got to earn it with your attitude. They they because they're funny too. And that's why I, I love Boston crowds heckle, and they're great hecklers. They're some of the best in the business. Oh, yes. I welcome it. 
but also like they they can smell if you don't believe in yourself too because i remember oh, when yeah. i started doing like open mics and i started doing the the dick doherty rooms and stuff like i still had that thought of like oh i hope they like me and if you have that yeah. thought in your head it's not gonna work you're dead <laughs> yeah you're dead i remember i was on stage at uh i forget the, i forget what one of the Knicks rooms and uh i was i'd been doing it for like maybe three or four years and i was tanking i went up and i mean i was getting nothing and it was at that calm before the storm you know with the boston crowd first they get you know they give you a minute arms across they're waiting and they haven't started heckling yet because you you, you haven't provoked them enough with your suckiness so I was at that lull. I was at that calm before the storm. And there was a couple up front and they couldn't even look at me. They were a little bit older and they had their heads down. Oh. And I just heard the woman say to her husband and she didn't say it. She didn't mean for me to hear it. She just said to her husband, the poor bastard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like embarrassed parents, yeah. you know? It was more cruel than somebody yelling, you suck. Well, so what would you rather have? Would you rather have like a crowd like yelling, you suck? Or would you rather have a crowd not do anything at all? Oh, yelling for sure. Yeah, I can, I can right? engage with yelling because then yeah. at least they're still interested. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You've got their attention. Fun, that's when you're right. in real trouble. Right. That's you, what we always used to say. To work in, with. Yeah. It, it, no reaction. That's the worst. That's yeah. the worst thing. Yeah. You want some, whether they're saying you're the best or, you know, fuck you. And they're throwing a bottle at you. You know, it's like, it's like I work with a guy now. I do mornings at a station here in Worcester and uh, someone will text in or call in and say, you guys fucking suck or whatever like that. And he'll get all angry. I'm like, listen, dude, that means we're doing well. That's right. For someone to take, right. to take their precious few moments they have and call us or text us and tell us we suck. You know, that's like, you want yeah. that, you know, you, you, yeah, you don't you're, want it. If, like, you're married to an, if you're married to an Italian girl from Chelsea and she goes cold on you and gives you the silent treatment, that means she's leaving. But, that's if, she's right. still, but if she's still throwing fucking, you know, cans at your head, right? Then there's a chance. There's a chance. She loves you. Yeah. yeah. That's love right there. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I tell. I said, don't get, don't, you should be happy that they're doing this. You know, yeah. you're making, you're making their day. This is the most exciting right. part of their day is calling going, you suck. And then they hang up. Like I told that guy, you know, and then they got to go home or go to work and get shit on by their boss or whatever. And I didn't have that right, mindset right. until when I was on AF with Yushu and like, there would be a bunch of like positive text messages on the screen. And then there would just be one that would be like, who the hell is this kid? Like, especially after LB quit. And I, yeah. all of a sudden they were like, where's LB? <laughs> Who's this kid? And I was like, Oh God, yeah. me. And you're like, Hey, I know. texting in, they're still listening. Yeah, it's that's kind of right. like that that thing in stand up where I was always afraid of the silence. Like I would be setting up the the joke and everyone would be quiet and listening, and I'd be like, "Oh shit, I'm bombing." And then people would be like, "No, if they're quiet, you have their attention. They're listening. Right. They're not yelling yeah. out." <laughs> it, yeah. just, it makes me uncomfortable though. So, Greg, you got how many podcasts do you have? Three. Oh, okay, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I do the, uh, the, there's one that I've been doing for like 12 years called Pitts Dog Radio, where I just yeah. interview like comedians, directors, actors, and then, um, and then I do one uh, called Sunday Papers that I do with uh, my buddy from, I went to BU, and uh, a guy who was my best friend, he's been my best friend for 30 years, and so 
we go through the Sunday papers together. And he's a big, uh, he's a comedy writer and he, he creates a lot of shows. Like he created Norm MacDonald's last show and Spade's last show. And um, he created Tosh.0. And, uh, and so we just go through like the business section, entertainment section, sports, and we read the story and then we do jokes about them. So oh, that's you literally Sunday. do the Sunday paper. <laughs> that's Sunday awesome. Paper. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, that's yeah. excellent. And then I have another one called Childish where uh, Allison Rosen, who used to be Adam Carolla's sidekick, uh, she's got babies and I've got grown teenagers. And uh, so it's me trying to teach her how to parent and she's not really buying it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got three podcasts and do, do you still do writing a lot on, on top of all that? Yeah. I wrote, I haven't written the last couple of years. It's been pandemic time. So I haven't really written on anything, but the writing work is hopefully going to pick up again. Uh, I sold a show to TBS in the fall. So I'm waiting to see what happens with that. And then, um, you know, just hitting the road doing stand up a lot. I've got, I got Boston, then I'm in Portland next week. And then the week after that, I'm in Syracuse. And so, uh, yeah, just trying to catch COVID as hard as I can. Right. Yeah. We'll make sure the spit shield is up around the stage. Yeah. Right. You know, and double up on that condom you're going to wear. So, <laughs> you know, so, uh, that's, uh, you're this weekend, right. At uh, laugh Boston, 13th through the 15th. Is that right. right. You can get, you can get tickets at fitsdog.com or the, or the laugh Boston site. And, uh, yeah, come on out, come on out. It'll be fun. All right. Great In the purchase Simmons. of every ticket, you get a scorpion bowl, right? That's right. You get a scorpion bowl and, uh, and a dry humping session. <laughs> we have we have a flaming volcano bowl from the Aku Aku in Worcester because the last time my wife and I went there, they were selling the place, but we didn't know it. And really? we were in there and my wife was like, oh, I wish I could take this bowl home. And the guy goes... Uh, I'll sell it to you for 10 bucks. And we're like, Oh, okay. And he goes, if there's anything else you see around here, just let me know. And you can take it home with you. They were just like oh, liquidating shit. the Aku Aku. So we have a flaming volcano bowl and a, and a couple of those uh, hula girl, you know, Mai Tai, you know, wow. ceramic cups and stuff like that. And it was just hilarious. They were just offering whatever you could buy. I probably could have bought the chair I was sitting on and walked out of there. You know, Jeez, that, night. that bowl could talk. I Think know. Right. The empty promises were made that we're trying to get pussy over the years. <laughs> Did you ever do the Aku in uh, Fresh Pond, the, the Cambridge one? No, I think that was after my time. Oh, it was after. Oh, okay. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because my, my parents lived right around the corner from that before they got married, and they would always talk about all the comedy shows that they would go to at that Aku. And I was thinking of, like, all you guys were probably around. I didn't know it was after your time. I was like, the lineup you probably saw <laughs> is probably yeah. like, right? Yeah. Comics come home at the garden now. Yeah, I don't remember that one. No, but yeah, but there was a lot of Chinese restaurants. That that was a big thing. And some pizza places. I think Mike Clark's Giggles is still going up. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's still going strong. Lenny still shows up there like every oh. now and then. Yeah, to do so every set. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever um you talked about doing gigs on western mass did you ever do north adams state college you remember oh I'm sure. yeah 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 for sure 
because I, when I was going, I, that's where I went to school and it seemed for a while, every Thursday they had, they had like three comedians come out there. And I, I remember like Richard Janney would be out there a lot and um, seeing a lot of guys out there. So I, I probably, I may have seen you up there if you had done it. Yeah. There was a woman named Denise Kirk and she used to book all the colleges in New England. And so she, we used to go out on uh, once in a while, me and Tom Cotter and Al Ducharme <laughs> would get, we'd get a couple bottles of wine and we'd get some, uh, a thing of cookies and we would drive out. They were out in Newton, their office. And we would drive out on a Friday at like five o'clock and we would just show up and we'd get them drunk. And then we would walk out of there with our date. We'd have our date books with us too. And we just book dates. <laughs> wine and cookies. All right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a winning Great combination pairing. right there. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, That's the name of Greg's next book, Wine and Cookies. Wine and Cookies. Yeah. Right. A pathway to success. Right. <laughs> All right, Greg, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much, it. man. And uh, hey, uh, thanks Glass for having Boston. me on. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate it. it. Now, uh, I'll see you guys soon. All right. Thanks, Greg. Okay. Thanks, Take man. Care. This is Brad Marchand, and you're listening to Breaking the Ice with Josh Dolan. I don't think he would ever let a pizza get out the door before he buried the whole thing, so he likes to eat that kid.